Hi, AC listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I want to welcome you back to the AC Podcast. I am joined today by a good friend of mine, Kendra. Kendra, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I guess I should say your last name too. Uh, Kendra Gerbrandt. Yes, very nicely done. <laughs> Thank you. Often at the grocery stores or when you're getting your checks, people are like, I'm not sure how to say your last name. It has a special <laughs> DT at the end. So, it's... Have you had some pretty, pretty bad uh, you know, pronunciations? I have, and I often get Giesbrecht. Giesbrecht. Growing up in high school on roll call, I'd get Giesbrecht, which there's no S or Z or it's pretty funny. Well, interestingly enough, you and I uh, met each other at Northview and there are plenty of Giesbrechts. Yes, there are. <laughs> at Northview. By the way, my name as well has been uh, mispronounced many times. Stigger, Tigger, Tiger. I have seen mm-hmm. them all. Apparently, there's a place in which S's are silent. Uh, That's great. <laughs> I don't know if you've been watching the Olympics, but... I saw, this was so funny, you know, because sometimes these announcers, you feel so bad for them, these names that come across the screen. Yeah. But there was this one where it was it was in canoeing, and the name literally took up the entire screen. Amazing. I know. And the and the, the announcer goes, listen, I'm not even going to try <laughs> on this one. He just full on apologizes yeah, and pats that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even try. He's like, I'm just going to take a pass on this one. Gonna so good. And anyway, it is so good to have you with us. As was mentioned... Now, you and I met at Northview. Mm-hmm. I just want to tell uh, our listeners a bit about you, because the, the topic that we're going to get into today is about reading the Bible. Right. We're going to be dialoguing about, you know, how do you journey through the Bible? How do you study it? How do you apply it to your life? This is an aspect that for me in ministry, I've been really surprised by just how many people are unsure how to do that. Absolutely. And then just there's, you know, some just mistakes you make along the way uh, because it's easy to do that. We kind of pick up some cultural baggage along the way sometimes when we come to scripture. And so there's going to be an opportunity to kind of identify some of that baggage, but but to say, hey, here's a great model mm-hmm. on how to read the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Make it super accessible. I know for me, I grew up in the church and it probably wasn't until my mid twenties that I actually felt competent or at least not terrified to open up the Bible and have any sort of concept of how to understand what I'm reading. And so I I really sympathize. And that's why this is a hugely important topic to me is there are people in our churches who feel this really, the sense of inadequacy. The experts know how to read the Bible, but how do I read the Bible? Now, and that's also very interesting as well, because I really got kind of thrown in the deep end of pastoring. Hmm. And I, I never had the opportunity where somebody, you know, a pastor came alongside me and said, you know, Andy, here, here's how I exegete a passage yes. and prepare for a sermon. You know, here, here's some tips on how to do that. I never received that. It was, mm-hmm. it was really, you know, in the deep end, figure it out. Yeah. And one of the things I loved about Northview, and I got to give it just a shout out to Jeff Bucknam. He was the lead pastor. He's now at, at Harvest. Uh, church in Chicago. I think it's called Heart. It's- I think so. Okay. Yeah, Something but like definitely that. Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Yes. Uh, one of the things I loved about the the leadership that Jeff provided was he did that. He he mm-hmm. would come alongside you and say, and and it wasn't it wasn't kind of this top down model either. It was kind of mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm a preacher as you are. Let's do this together. And we mm-hmm. would actually we had a team of people at Northview when I was there where we would critique each other. You know, we would walk, not only would we walk through a passage together, but then we would, we would critique each other on how we did. And, and the goal was to, to be better. It wasn't a negative thing. 
No, not a critical, like a criticism critique, but actually a critical, um, adding our thinking tools and saying, how close can we get to the intent of, of the scripture here? And you really are, are in many ways the fruit of that because that became mm. solidified in more of a program yes. that became a school where Northview became very intentional about not just interns that would come in, but but students that would do their MDiv yeah. through the church. And you recently graduated from that program. I did. Yeah, I was part of the first kind of intake of students. Um, Northview has um, an immersion program. Uh, it's called Immerse. And so that is, um, yeah, I came in with a, a bachelor's of, of science in nursing, uh, but really had a call for, for pastoral ministry and had this burden for people to know the word of God. And so coming into this immersed program, a, a full master's program at seminary, but it was all context-based learning. So all my learning happened in the local church. And yeah, the program that I think really did start with a lot of this uh, sermon review um, kind of grew a lot and became an integral part of our program as students. And yeah, I just graduated a year ago. And so now I'm working in a church in Vancouver, and it's just been really amazing to bring a lot of the, the foundational blocks I learned at Northview in the immersed program um, to the church that I get to be involved in now. Yeah, um, so much there. I just want to unpack real quick here. Uh, so you were a nurse. I was a nurse, and, yes. Because I think it's so interesting because that was my first experience with you is yeah. you, you were a nurse. In particular, you worked in palliative care. That's right. Yeah, I was in palliative care for 10 years and I loved my work. I actually still love palliative care nursing and sometimes I wake up and I think, what has happened? Why did I give that up? Like it was really agonizing uh, to figure out uh, this career change direction. Um, I really thought I would retire doing palliative care nursing. Um, I worked in a specialty unit where we did a lot of pain and symptom management and just the joy of walking alongside people in really some of their most stressful days in pain, but also um, emotional and existential and social anguish um, to really just being allowed in the room with people and to walk through some of those things and help them process and bring a lot of physical comfort um, was just such a rewarding job. Some days were really sad, but a lot of days were just really profoundly personal and joy-filled. And so I love that work. Um, but in my time of working there, I just saw so many existential crises among Christians. And I thought, how is it that some Christians are so rooted in the midst of their questions and their suffering and that they can take that to the Lord and have this still assurance of, of trust in the Lord, despite the big questions and, and loud tears and other people just seem to turn their back towards the Lord and are running away from him in their suffering. And I just over six years kind of had this burden to be more proactive in the life of the church, more as a servant, uh, just a lay leader, um, but to have more Bible study skills. But also I want to be a better nurse uh, to help people at three in the morning when those questions come up. And so I went to seminary uh, based on some of that experience. And that led to a bit of a career change for me. Yeah, so that that was you would say that was kind of the impetus that brought you from nursing into uh, this immersed program. Yeah, yeah, without the intention of leaving nursing and and working in full time church ministry, um, but the Lord He is wiser and works in mysterious ways, and sometimes ways. trickier than we are, definitely. And I just think my ten years of nursing have actually been such a huge asset for my work in ministry. I was actually going to say the same thing because that I, that's one of the things I've always appreciated about you mm. is. You bring a very unique perspective to the ministry is, is really, you know, somebody who's walked with a lot of people through some dark valleys. Absolutely. Uh, and and have, have had to see things from a, 
a little bit different perspective, but I think it makes you so good at what you do. Mm. And you and I have had some wonderful conversations. Yeah, we really have. Uh, on different aspects of theology, particularly on uh, theological anthropology around yeah. personhood. And yeah. in fact, you've even taught on the subject. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I taught at CBC about the hu human dignity and about how that transfers into just our workplace as healthcare providers um, with, as care aides. And then I've taught uh, the intern program. Northview has an intern program for people seeing, do I want to get involved in ministry as a full time um, in the local church? And so talking on some of the human dignity and, and uh, ethics around death and dying. Yeah. So, so I want to encourage listeners, you know, I would encourage you to continue your education and who knows, maybe the Lord might even be bringing you into ministry. Right. I think we should at least be open to the, to that potential, yeah. you know, cause it's interesting. I still do teaching with Northview with their immersed students. And, uh, one of their students preached this Sunday at Northview and he's actually, he was a lawyer. I think he was right. a lawyer for 10 years he as well. He was a lawyer. Yeah. 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 And, and now he's, he's in ministry and again, great guy and has a very unique way of coming to the scriptures. That mm -hmm. I think that I think is quite beneficial. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that happened in, in that program and that we really worked hard over the years to hone. And I, I only, you know, had a small part in that. There were many other people who had large parts. I, I just had the privilege, I think, of being kind of on the ground of when it started with what you called sermon review. Right. And really looking at, okay, how do we study the Bible? How do we do that with integrity, do that accurately? Mm -hmm. And then how do we preach that? And so this kind of conversation is really going to come out of a lot of, a lot of that you know, that you've, that you've been through. And I would really encourage any pastors listening to this. What a great model. Uh, I know pastor crystal over at North U, uh, I would encourage you to get in contact with her. She would probably be a great person for you, mm -hmm. uh, to just get lots of information yeah. on how they do things, because I really do think, uh, North U does a great job at this. Yeah, they do. And it's been really cool. Um, for me kind of being raised up like North U was my home church growing up. So seeing a little bit of that and then being trained at Northview uh, through seminary, now working in Vancouver, I work at a church called Christ City Church. Um, and so my role there is director of discipleship. And I've had such an amazing opportunity to bring some of the things I've seen done well at Northview, like our sermon review, and bring that into the culture at Christ City. And so it's such a unique thing to be in a room of people who preach and a room of people who teach and, and to talk about we want to so well um, honor the word of God. We want to communicate it clearly but also like truthfully but also effectively to the listener and so bringing in some of that that science of the exegetical work but also the art of rhetoric and so um that's been yeah pretty amazing so we're going to talk about that in this podcast this is going to be a, a two-part podcast where we'll talk on structure and context and then we're going to talk on gospel and pulling it all together mm. this is I think going to be immensely helpful uh, for those of you who are maybe new to the Bible or have or have been reading your Bible for a long time or studying the Bible for a long time. Totally, because I think in this there's I would say you use always the same things, but on a spectrum. So if you are if you have you know ten minutes to do a little Bible reading before you head out the door with your bagel and your coffee. You don't want to like chuck these these concepts out the window. You're going to apply them, but just in a, a less intense way. If you're prepping a sermon, you're going to apply them in a really intense way because you have a lot of time and a lot of um, research to do before you you create your sermon. And so um, these these tools, the idea of structure and context and gospel, they are essential for understanding, interpreting, and applying the scriptures. It's just how deep are you going to use them? 
So this, I think this topic is going to be helpful for, for everybody in the church, people who are paid uh, to study the Bible and people who just want to know the Lord through it. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, I think you've done such a good job putting this material together, teaching, and we're going to give shout outs as well to all the different, you know, people that we've drawn from in in talking on this, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But let's just start before we get into structure uh, or maybe this kind of a headway into it. How how is the Bible structured? Let's just look at a kind of a big umbrella when we're talking about the Bible. Here's some trivia for you, uh, listeners. Guess what the Greek word for book is? Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing at Andy being like, I don't know Greek. <laughs> Biblio. That's it. And so, this is where, so the word Bible just means the book. And, and when people come at the Bible, I think they're not really sure, though, how to approach it because they don't really see it as a book. Yeah. They sometimes see it as a magic book. or they see it as this totally other kind of genre. But how do you just kind of big umbrella? What's the structure of the Bible? What is it? Yeah, I would say it's it's a book. It's it's one collection that has 66 little books in it, but it is telling one big story. It is telling the story of God, of who he is, of what he's done, and then how that affects the creation he's made. And so I think that's a pretty very basic. Um, but that would be kind of how I would go about starting to think about the Bible. There's all these little different books written in different genres. And so we're going to need a lot of, um, thoughtfulness and some skill to learn how to read each of those parts. Well, but they're not 66 different competing ideas. There's one overarching theme and that's who God is and, and why he's made the world and what his plan for this world is. I think that's a really important point. It means then that when we're studying the Bible, we're studying in the context of a, an entire story. Yeah. That's one story. Yeah. And because a lot of people sometimes see like the Old Testament and the New Testament is kind of like the Old Testament is this old thing that God was doing. The New Testament is this new thing that God's doing. Right. But that's not what we're saying. But it's not because if you think of how does a story work, there's always um, there's always a setting and then there's always a rising action. There's like a crisis of conflict along the way. There's always a climax and then there's a resolution. And so you can plot out the whole big story of the Bible on that on that narrative arc and see how all the little books in there contribute to some spectrum of that big narrative. And that's, I think, so important because then you start to realize, oh, okay, the New Testament isn't this new thing. The New Testament is the fulfillment of what God was was doing from the beginning. And like you say, you get this climax moment where sin enters the story, right? And now the purposes of God become broken. They mm-hmm. they are affected by uh, by evil. And now we see God working in the midst of this and what's God going to do about it. And it leads us to Jesus and we get this resolution and you get the, then this whole arc so that when you then find yourself in the Bible, you're finding yourself within that bigger story. Yes. Now, this gets challenging, though. I know for a fact <laughs> that people will come to the Bible and they don't see it in with regards to this idea of genres. And, and we should kind of just mention what we mean by that, because a lot of people will come to the Bible and they'll just see all these verses and so then they'll just go, I'm going to just read a verse today right? and I'm going to see what this verse says to me. Yeah. And generally they're the happy, inspirational, lighthearted 
right. sections of verses, sometimes not even a whole sentence in the Bible. Right. Because yeah. if you flip to it and it's like, oh, I don't like that, I'll just flip to another one to totally. find something yeah, that's more positive. And... Yeah, or I don't want to finish reading after the comma because that's where it, it changes. Yeah. Right. And so I think this is one of the reasons why some people really aren't sure how to to take the Bible because they've, mm. they've really compartmentalized it into verses. It's Yeah. Yeah. And that's super tricky. I mean, if you just even open up your Bible to the, to like the table of contents, you see all these individual little books, but those individual books are kind of grouped together um, in a really simple way by genre. So starting with history and then you move into um, like, you start with the Torah, the law, then into history. Like how did by Torah and law, we're just talking about the first five, the first five books of the Bible. And after those books becomes really a lot more historical, a lot more, um, this is the kind of chronological timeline of what happened to these to this particular group of people and then it changes completely and enters this wisdom where there's books of poetry and, and wise sayings and then after that there's there's all these prophetic books where it's talking about why something happened or what will happen if you don't repent and and what will happen if you do repent and so there's all these prophetic books but I think what we forget when we come to read the Bible is it's not actually written chronologically from A to B, the way that we would pick up um, like a novel now. It, the Bible's not a novel. You don't start in chapter one and then move all the way through. And so because it's structured in genres, it's really informative for how it is that we should actually read individual books, but also individual verses, because we're going to see them fit into those different sections. And then they then again, they're kind of fitting into this bigger uh, umbrella of the story. Now, when yeah. we get to the New Testament, uh, how is that structured? Yeah. So then when we get to the New Testament, we start with um, the first the first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, in a simple way, you can call them biographies. They're not exactly biographies, but they would be, uh, they're all about the life of Jesus, who he is and what he's come to do. Uh, then we move into the history. How did the early church um, get started and, and what what's the story of the early churches as they were planted? That's the book of Acts. Then a ton of letters, and then there's one last book, and it's apocalyptic, which is a very bizarre genre, but it's an incredible, incredible book to read about how really the whole story of the Bible and God's full redemptive purposes are yet to come. And and now, as we get further into structure, because mm-hmm. uh, I think it's kind of a good, good entry, right, as we're looking at structure, I think a question that we get asked quite a bit is, well, what about the fact that there's these different translations of the Bible. What are what are we supposed to do about that? And Kendra, what what's the best translation? I yeah. think those are the kind of questions those people are, ask. Yeah, for sure. And I think honestly, I don't know. I think there's some bad translations, but I don't know if there is a best translation um, unless you have a very specific job to do. Um, so I think depending on what the purpose of you reading, um, there could be better translations that you would want. So I think really any translation that looks at, I mean, a translation is looking at the original manuscript and then moving that ancient language, whether it was Hebrew or the Greek, moving it into the language that you're reading it into. So for me, it would be into English translation. And there's several that are great. Which, And, and by that too, we mean modern English. Modern as well. English that I can actually understand. Yeah. yeah. Which is which is interesting, by the way, because it might seem weird that the Bible's constantly being translated and there's like these new editions of the NIV or, or right. whatever. But the fact is, is language is constantly changing. Yes. And you have to do that. Yeah, because otherwise it becomes like unintelligent. It's not understandable. You have to do a lot of work to understand, well, what's this English word even meaning if that word becomes outdated? 
Right. And words change meaning. Yeah. So you have to, you have to keep up with that. Exactly. So I think a translation, I mean, a translation is something that comes from the original language and then comes into your current contemporary language. So there would be all kinds. There's, there's two maybe different ways uh, to translate. One would be more exact word for word, which when you read it, it's going to sound a little bit more wooden, uh, but you've preserved more that that direct word translation and the other is going to be a little bit more sense for sense or what we call um what's it called Andy dynamic yeah Yeah, like dynamic dynamic and um and formal equivalents and so when we both of those are great but depending what you want to do so if you want to study intensely probably a dynamic equivalent isn't going to be as helpful um, because you want to really get as close to possible as the way those sentences were formed and uh, what the words um, are trying to convey Uh, but if you're reading like books at a time like I've just been reading this summer I've been picking a book a week and reading the whole book often in one sitting and so for me to read through the book of Daniel it's really nice to have a more dynamic it's just more readable I often read it out loud and so I'm not stumbling but I'm just wanting to read the whole story not so much study each and every phrase as it's created so I would say NIV is great ESV is great NLT can be really good for those big sections NASB would be really really specific so yeah yeah, I think that, that's great. There there are some translations out there that uh, you do need to be careful of, like a New World Translation. Yeah, New World is, Translation. Is, that's yep. actually the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, translation. Right. Uh, but then you can also have these other translations that we've talked about on the podcast, such as like the Passion Translation, where you've got uh, a person that's just translating their own Bible. Yes. And you got to be careful about that too. Because yeah. I mean, even when you read a commentary, you know, even a well-known theologian will say, hey, I actually translated this myself. So take that yeah. uh, for what it is. Like yeah. this, this is my translation. Yeah. Uh, this And I, these other translations were done in, in a group. And that's really helpful because now there's a community that is, you know, like how we were talking sermon review. We have a lot of minds looking and saying, well, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. And okay, let's get closer to the, to the accurate meaning here. And so it's kind of like peer review. It is like peer review and that there's a safety mechanism in that. And so that's, yeah, you definitely want a translation that has come from the original manuscripts that's come from a group um, of scholars that really actually understand the original language. So take me through, you know, when you're, when you're looking at a piece of scripture and today we're going to look at uh, a, a piece of scripture to mm-hmm. apply to yeah. what we're going to talk about uh, we're in Matthew chapter 11. So, uh, Maybe just walk me through what does it look like for you when you're looking at the structure? Like where where what's ground zero for you as you're starting uh, to study the Bible or to exegete the Bible? Yeah, I often start with structure. Um, I'll just read. I mean, I I think it's great to meditate on a verse, but not as your daily Bible reading. So in my daily Bible reading, I'm wanting to read more than one verse so that I actually can understand what is it saying. Um, there's a lot that needs to go into that understanding. So for me, I think the ground zero of structure um, is just asking the question is how is, how is this organized? I know in a house, like Andy, you guys just did some renovations here and you knocked out some walls and everything, and which is great. You can do that to remodel a home, but you needed to know where your load bearing walls were. If you knocked out a load bearing wall, your house would collapse. And that's Kind that's, of an, bad. that's bad news. That's an overwhelming. <laughs> it's more than you bargained for in that renovation. And so I think when we come to understand scripture, we really want to understand what are the load bearing walls of this passage. There's going to be a lot of extra, like there's going to be some maybe wallpaper and some light fixtures and some really beautiful things that we don't want to dismiss or not look at. 
But finding the structures, like finding the load-bearing walls, what is the thing in this passage that's the anchor that if I, if I don't see it, I'm actually not understanding what this passage is getting at? And so that to me is just, how is this organized? Now, I think one thing that's really important at this juncture that took me far too long as a Christian to appreciate, and, and I've, I've shared this before, but I think it's just really important to remember if you've never heard this before, and that is, I think a lot of people when they read the Bible, they don't realize that the author is trying to communicate to you. Right. Right. And that's right. kind of like a, a hidden assumption here that there, in fact, is structure. Yes. Right. Because I think some people don't just take that for granted. They don't see that. They don't think about, oh, I'm like, there's a structure here. Like this author is trying to communicate to me. Right. And so I think then they're more apt to go, oh, I'm just going to look at these verses. and Exactly. Like if you go watch a movie, the director has a purpose for the reason they created a movie, like a film. Yeah. Like they're trying to communicate a big message with all the little like episodes along the way, the little scenes. And so same with reading the Bible, when you, when these authors wrote these letters or, or wrote these stories down, they weren't just random, you know, streams of consciousness. They were very intentionally trying to communicate something. And so our job as the reader is to respect that work and to say, well, what are they trying to say? So that means then that the etymology of a word, like, mm. you know, just really taking a microscope to a specific Greek word yeah. is of pretty little use. Right. At, I'll be honest with you. When I'm preaching a sermon, it's pretty rare that the that a word actually matters all that much. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I don't. I don't read Hebrew. I don't read Greek. Um, and I. Th I think that I can understand most of of what the. There's going to be some sections that are really really tricky, but the Bible itself is clear. It is. There's go that doesn't mean all of it is equally crystal clear, but the message of salvation is clear in the scriptures. And so there's going to be passages that I need to defer to some expert scholars who have really nuanced this. But in general, it's not, yeah, it's not so much that if you can't understand the Greek, you can't understand the word. That's why the experts who know the languages got together in a group and translated them so the English can be understandable in the context with the structure. Right. And it's that structure they're looking at. Okay. Yeah. What, what are they communicating? I mean, think about even yeah. in your own sentence, when you're communicating, your, your, your words are adding up together and it's the yeah. the whole that is communicating it's yeah. very rare that it's all coming down to just how you're parsing one word exactly right in in a talk or whatever because yeah. i really have i've seen this a lot uh kendra where people come across something in the bible they'll be confused and my immediate response is well did you read what came before it and did you read what came after it exactly yeah which we'll get into a lot with the context so hang hang tight we're gonna dig into that but i think one thing with the word um Sometimes words really do matter, but I don't know so much for interpretive value, more for information and more, maybe more for high definition. Well, so, and, and that can be true even in a, even in a book where you're like, oh, they've chose that word. Instead of this word. And yeah. so the more you, I think if you're preaching, uh, it's really important that you are understanding the weight of the word or the sense of the word so that you can communicate with the right tone and all of that. But as you're reading, you're not going to get the wrong understanding it just might not be as honed in. Does that make sense, Andy? Yeah, yeah, I, it does make sense. Uh, I guess my my encouragement is just always, some people think, oh, you got to know Greek to interpret the Bible. And I just want to encourage people, no, you yeah. don't. Exactly. Uh, you just need to be willing to put in the effort of reading yes. more than just a verse. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And 
reading and thinking and wrestling, all of those things go into understanding. Um, so then when we would say the structure, then we're going to, we're talking about first is looking at the entire book. Like if I'm reading Colossians and I want to understand chapter two, yeah. well, you should read Colossians. That you, right. you should read the, the entirety of it. Yeah. Right. So a little, I think a really helpful approach in your own Bible reading at home um, would be not to have a, a Bible reading plan that has you jumping all over the place all the time, but actually pick a book. So have a Bible reading plan or have a group of friends and you decide what book you're going to read. Read the whole book at once and don't worry that you have a thousand questions. Just read it and just get the get the flow of it and try and think, what is this chapter about? What is that chapter about? What is this chapter about? And then don't think. And then add the next day, start your Bible reading plan and go slower and see as these things fit together. Because that's really, I think, going to help um, this this. Um, first impression of the wholeness of the book as you get into the little details as you go. That idea of questions is key, isn't it? Even when you're watching a movie or whatever it is, you're, you're asking yourself, oh, I wonder what the director's trying to say here, yeah. right? What, what, why this scene? And is it now, I know that I've talked with different pastors and this is one of the approach that they'll take where the, they will ask questions of the scriptures as they're reading. Is that something you do? I ask a thousand questions. Yes. Okay. So here are my questions. This is where my questions sometimes bleed from context to structure and they kind of mix back and forth. It's not an, okay. an even divide, um, but questions like who's involved, what is happening? Um, probably my first question is what genre is this? Cause I'm actually going to ask different questions. If it's a story, like a narrative or if it's right. a letter or if it's a poem, I'm going to ask different questions to come to structure. Yeah, so like, for example, then when you're reading book of Proverbs, yeah, you're going to be reading that a whole lot different than you're going to read the Gospels. Yeah, that's right. Just like if you were to read a recipe, you'd read it different than you would read, you know, a report on, on the Olympics that are happening. Right, or if you're reading a science textbook versus reading the newspaper. Exactly. Right. So what's your goal then? And so in asking these questions, you're really seeking to say, okay, you know, what is the meaning yeah, maybe not quite meaning, but what is the author trying to get at? What's the author's big idea? What's the main point? Um, and sometimes I think it's easier to see and sometimes I think it's a bit harder to see. But at least at that point, I want to have something in my own words where I know that I've been thinking and wrestling and have some preliminary ideas about what I think the big idea of the passage is. Now, when you're... So this is interesting. So what do you mean by passage? So would yeah. you say... What's the meaning of this? Sorry, what's the main idea of this book? The main idea of this chapter? You know, how, how do you kind of parse that out? Would you say there's multiple? Is there one big thing that the author is trying to communicate? Lots of little things? Yes and yes. <laughs> I agree with all of that. So often I think... Um, like there's the word pericope, right? There's little sections that kind of fit nicely together. It's a great word for paragraphs. Little, little paragraphs, yeah, yeah. Little sections that work really nicely together. And so within that, there's there's a really nice structure. There's probably a nice summary that you could say. But that is sitting within a bigger section, which is sitting in a bigger section, which is in a chapter, which is in a, a whole, you know, a quarter of the book, which is in the whole book. And so each mm -hmm. one of those, you can work your way out. And that's where I think the thing that I mentioned at the beginning about the spectrum of of are you just simply reading to read through the Bible day after day? Or are you reading to create curriculum to write a Bible study? Or are you reading to preach? And so you're going to go deeper with your structure and with the sections that you're doing 
um, based on kind of what your what your goal is. So maybe this would be helpful just to put this kind of into practice. Yeah. And just show people what it looks like. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm prepping to teach a Bible study, I teach women's Bible study at our church and we're going to do the Gospel of John this fall. And so we're likely going to be studying one and a half chapters a week. So I'm going to have a big aim for that whole section. In my personal Bible reading, I'll often read sections. I read a lot slower on my own at home because I read such large sections for what I'm teaching. And so I try and balance the two. So I would probably read through um, little paragraphs of like, I don't know, 10 verses in the morning. And just so I can think on those and dwell on those. So I would, after reading my section, I would try and pick out some key, uh, some of those structure points. Like what is the big idea in this passage and come up with a sentence of my own about what I think that is so that throughout the day I can be remembering the big point of of that little section. This, by the way, is really helpful for preaching. Uh, often this is referred to as a sermonic sentence. Yeah. And it's, it's basically a way to keep you on track too, saying, okay, this is, this is the main point yeah. that's being communicated. Yeah. And not the only point that's being communicated, right? but, but the weighty point, the big point. Yeah. yeah. Particularly of this this uh, section. Yeah. Now, if we were to apply this to uh, the Bible, we were talking about Matthew chapter 11. How, w- how would you apply th- what we're talking about here to Matthew chapter 11? Specifically, yeah. I think you want to look at verses 28 to 30. Yeah. So verse 28 is so, I mean, on Instagram, I see it so often. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so that is such an encouraging, beautiful two sentences. And so the question that I have is, what does it mean? It's lovely. It's beautiful. But does it mean what I want it to mean? Or do I take a pause and and look at where it is? And so I would read that whole paragraph from verse 25 to 30 and see, okay, where does that sentence come in? What's the structure of that whole section? So that I can, structure is not the only tool, but so I can start to dig into my understanding of this passage. So a question that you'd be asking yourself is, okay, what does it mean to find rest? Like what, what is rest? Is, is that what you're saying? Would you say honing in on? Well, I would, I would jump out of just two verses and I would read this whole section. Oh, and then start asking these, yeah, questions And then ask of questions that. of the whole paragraph. Right. Yeah, starting in, in verse 25, which has a very different feel. Do we have time? Can I read 25 out loud? Yeah, sure. Has a very different feel than verse 28. Um, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things. So my first question is, what things? So we need some context to see what came above that. But something here has been hidden from the wise and the understanding. And the the hidden things have been revealed to little children. Verse 26. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then we have come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So it's interesting that we've backed up to get more context. And in backing up, it's raised some more questions. That means we got to back up a little bit more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So context is a real a real layer thing. And this is why it's woven context and structure kind of woven together. But I think the structure in this passage, like what is this all about? Is there something about these hidden things being revealed and it's actually only through the sun that people can 
can know them. And so Jesus is, is offering an invitation to know the hidden things by coming to him. And somehow in that, there will be rest. Mm-hmm. So I think that the structure, the, like the, the load-bearing walls, is something about this, these hidden and revealed things. And so now there's, there's many more questions now that we're on the quest for structure and understanding this passage. But that's, that's the journey, I think, of reading the Bible well. It's not instant answers. It's getting to the heart of it. And that, you know, because it's true, some some things in the Bible is low hanging fruit, if you will. It's yeah. it's easy. It's right there. But then there's others. It's just it's deep. Yeah. And there is a beauty to that, though, isn't there? In that, it's going to draw you back over and over again mm-hmm. as you continue to think through, you know, the depth of what's being taught. Yeah. Yeah. Now this this kind of leads us from structure into the next one that we want to talk about for this segment of the of the podcast, and that is context. Now, lots of people are used to hearing you know, context, context, mm-hmm. context. So uh, what do you mean by context and how do you go about finding it? Yeah. So context really is, is what's around the passage. Um, I think there's words around the the verses. There's a world around them. And then there's, there's wisdom around it. So the words would be literary context. The world around it would be more of that historical context. And then the wisdom around it is that kind of what we talked about at the beginning, that whole big Bible story. What does the rest of scripture have, have to offer to help understand what's going on in here? There's some pretty repetitive themes that happen over and over throughout the Bible. And so you can kind of like a bullseye work your way out. Um, but always, I would say, start with literary context because that's the closest to that to those verses and then work your way out from there. So this is an interesting one in that there is some context here that sometimes you need to go into that whole book. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to go into the whole Bible. Yeah, There are times that you need to just take a look at what was going on at that time frame in this, this yeah. point, the first century, yeah. by take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What, how was a yoke used? Mm. And we know it was used by animals, right? but it was also used with one's interpretation of the law. Yes. Was the yoke. Yeah. So sometimes going to extra biblical sources for historical context can be really helpful. One thing that I've been really surprised in my learning is actually how much historical context I can learn from the book itself. Um, like where it was taking place. That's, I mean, it's, it's context in that it's literary because you can read it, but it actually is historical because it's a place and it's a time. And, and three days later, that, that's, I would say, would be more historical because you're, you're filling in the, the world around when Jesus was here and talking and then Jesus went there. And so you're, you're almost like seeing it like a movie, that historical context. You're starting to see how it's built up instead of just how the words are communicating Okay, so Kendra, as we just continue to think about the context, mm-hmm. and we're just about ready to wrap up here for this first section in this this series, uh, what would you just say are some do's and don'ts with regards to uh, the context that you find the scripture in? Yeah, so I think in, in your daily Bible reading, really a huge do is stop before you start reading um, and actually pray. And say, Lord, would you help me to read well? Would you help me to see what is written and to think about it um, in a way that is true, that re- that I can see you revealed in the scriptures? I think prayer is a great place to start. That, what a great point. It reminds us that, that the scripture is alive and yeah. active. Like we, we walk into the word with God. Yeah. And God, he wants us to know him. And so if we're reading the scripture 
uh, the way it's intended to be read is a book to reveal God, um, to convict us and to teach us and train us. I mean, he, he wants to answer that prayer. And so we can have all the tools in the world and have all the best ways of handling the text, but without that humility of saying, I need your help, um, we're, we're missing something important. So then I would also ask the question as I come, if I'm reading through a book in order, I would, I would pause and say, what did I read yesterday? I would just take a minute to kind of get my bearings again. Um, By the way, this is a, uh, a little tip to any of you potential authors out there. Uh, this is something that I always recommend for people that want to write a book or write a blog or whatever it might be, uh, or dissertation or whatever. <laughs> but never start where you stopped. Uh, you always go back and take a running start into where you went, yeah. left off. Yep. And it it not only helps for when you're writing, it helps for when you're studying. Yeah, and it helps for, for comprehending what where you are. Because if you just start somewhere, it's like randomly opening the Bible. I know you've been reading in order, but we forget what things happened prior and what the day, days get busy and full. And it's like you're parachuting into like unknown territory. And so just look back, even just read the headings that aren't actually scripture, but they're just good summaries and they're going <laughs> to, they're going to get you back to where you were. So I asked the question, what did I just read? It's also really good. I think for me to help remember like the book and to help start putting some of this, the book, um, the, the flow of it a little bit more, uh, from my mind and a little bit more deeper into my heart. Um, to have a better understanding of it long term. Um, and then, yeah, what else do I do? I always read um, I always read books. Don't just pick one verse. Uh, pick a book. And then I think reading in community is super helpful. Um, if you can read a book uh, with a Bible study that you're doing with, at your church or a group of friends that are you're all reading on your own, but you have that accountability where you can chat about what you're thinking things are going, I think is just such a beautiful thing that God... We are the church together. Yeah, a hundred percent. This is something that I just recently spoke at a conference about, and and here's a great application to to this mm. idea because uh, I was talking about how yes, we've been saved into a personal relationship with God, but a lot of people forget we've been saved into a communal relationship with God. Yeah, we call the church, and it's interesting. The Jews understood, you know, they would have been going around preaching a communal relationship with God. It's the sure. Gentiles that go around preaching a rela- a personal relationship yeah. with God. You know, gospel. The truth is though it's both exactly it's both i have a personal relationship with god i have a communal relationship with god in the church and that then shouldn't surprise us of how important it is Mm -hmm. to read the bible in community yeah yeah you can read it and should read it personally but you should read it together yeah because that's it it was meant to be done in community as well totally totally in fact the jews understood it done in they that's how they did the synagogues you read the, the scriptures in community right you didn't all have your own copy of of these scrolls you you went and had it read but we do have our own copies of our scripture thankfully and that is a gift from the lord and so i guess one of my other tips would be or encouragements would be don't be afraid to use it uh mark it up write notes in the margins highlight as you go like we don't worship the book the book has contains truth in it so that we can worship the god who is real and who is who is with us and so However you learn, I would say use your personality and your learning style to engage in the text of Scripture so that you can know God. This is a great point. The power 
mm-hmm. you will, the, is in the meaning. Yeah. Right. It's it's not in the book itself. It's not in the words or the utterances. Yeah. Right. That that's when you start falling into the magic book sort of idea. That's again. right. Yeah. Right. But what what is being communicated is 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 uh, the inspiration. It's the meaning. It's the uh, the the heart of of the scriptures. And so yeah. yeah, I totally agree with you. If 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 to get to the meaning, you need to mark up your Bible. Then yeah. then feel free. Now, of course, there's always a respectful way to do these sorts of things and not. Yes, I think so too. And I think like as the paragraphs as you're reading, don't be afraid to to write a summary sentence, and of of a paragraph that you read, just to put it in your own words. And then don't be afraid if you you know in a couple more paragraphs start thinking about it and you're like, oh, I'm not sure that was the right, the right summary. I want to go back and change it. That's part of the learning process. Like, I think that's one of the beautiful things about structure and context is you're not actually aiming for an A plus. I have a perfect paper. You're aiming for, do I understand the scripture so that I can understand God, so I can obey him, so I can love him, so I can know him, so I can witness of him into the world around me. Um, our aim is Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? It's oh, not do, It's not a final project. It's our lifelong ambition to know him more. Right. And so here, maybe this is a great place for us to end this podcast, okay. because I think that this has been a critique of some people, uh, Christians, who get so focused on studying the Bible that they forget it should change you. Mm. It's not just about what's Jesus like. It's about how Jesus is working in you so that you're more like Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, Cause it's in easy. It, it can be easy to become an academic Christian. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Where, where we are called to be practicing yeah. Christians. Yeah. So maybe we'll just pause there and uh, in, invite you to come and then join us back as we're going to go into part two of this. Awesome. We're going to look at the, these final two aspects of the gospel. Yeah. We'll continue to look at Matthew chapter 11, but we're going to look at, yeah, the gospel and then we're going to be putting it all together. Awesome. See you there. Yep. See you next week.